Hey everyone, it's Sarah. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that we are now in the middle of enrollment for the Wise Women's Council. If you need a work wife or you're looking for more mom friends or you need a business bestie or you just need a place to talk about work, parenting, business, life, entrepreneurship, and everything in between, we are now open for enrollment. The community kicks off in March. We would love to have you join us. So go check it out at startuppregnant.com slash WWC. That'll take you to all the details about the Wise Women's Council. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. Today, we welcome back Carrie Fortin, who many of you may have heard before on this podcast. She is a longtime friend and frequent podcast guest co-host. And today we are going to talk about minimalism, motherhood, decluttering, and basically, I am going to interview her about her business. Carrie Fortin is a writer, a storyteller, and a designer, and she is the co-founder of New Minimalism, a company focused on decluttering and design, helping you to regain a meaningful relationship with your stuff and your things. Founded in 2011, before the Marie Kondo craze, Carrie and her business partner, Kyle, have gone into people's homes for years to help them find a new way with their things, to understand the purpose and the joy of a space or a room or a set of tools. In 2018, they released their first book, New Minimalism, Decluttering and Design for Sustainable, Intentional Living. The beauty of this book is in its deeper philosophy behind why we have things and what we surround ourselves with and what to do about them. Today, I get to talk to Carrie about how the business started and what it means to rethink your space and how to do so with intention, compassion, and understanding. We also talk about motherhood and minimalism. What do you do when you have the chaos of a toddler or all the stuff that a baby might need? How do you set boundaries and rules and communicate to other people? We even get into building baby registries and how to think about baby showers if you don't want a ton of stuff in your home and you don't know how to tell your loved ones, please don't buy me anything. We want nothing. I'm so excited to welcome Carrie back to the show and to talk about minimalism, motherhood, and all the madness in between. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Hey, hey, I made a thing and I want to tell you all about it. It's one of our new guides and it's up on our website. One of the biggest struggles in my business isn't coming up with new ideas or doing more. One of the biggest challenges is focusing, figuring out how to do less, and making sure I have clarity about doing just the right things. I wish I could say that I had it all figured out and I have a magic wand to make life easier, poof, presto, but not quite. But what I do have is a structure of questions, just three questions that I return to time and time again that helps me sort myself out whenever those piles of to-do lists are getting way too long. It's a three-step process and I walk you through how to do it and what it looks like. Three questions for clarity, simplicity, and a new superpower, which is saying no to the things that you don't actually need to do. If you want the free guide, head to startuppregnant.com slash stop. That's startuppregnant.com slash stop. 
S-T-O-P. And you can grab the guide for free. The link is also in the show notes. It's our freebie guide for figuring out what to drop, how to do less, and how to simplify your business whenever you feel the chaos descending upon you. All right, everyone. I am so excited to welcome back a longtime friend of mine, Carrie Fortin, to the show. Carrie, welcome back. Thanks, Sarah. I'm always so happy to be talking to you. I am so excited because today I want to talk to you about your like area of expertise and one of the areas that you've built a ton of wisdom around in your life, which is around minimalism and decluttering and clearing space and all that it means emotionally and physically and psychologically and mentally and all of the different ways. But before we jump into a conversation about new minimalism, I kind of want to go back and just give listeners some context. Can you tell us what new minimalism is and how it arrived in your life? Yeah. So new minimalism is the name of the company that I co-founded with my dear friend, Kyle Quilici. It started out as like personal experiment of sorts. It actually started out as as a blog in 2010, which at that moment I was like, oh, I'm so late to the blogging game. And now I'm like, wow, that was forever ago. I think I had a Weebly site or something <laughs> uh-huh. like that, which felt very cool. But anyways, I I was doing what I now realize is seems very classic, like late millennial slash great recession response, which was I was in a corporate job, which I loathed and had spent years just hoping to stay employed. You know, it was 2008 through 2010. It was a really rough time in general to be in the workforce. And I think I was pretty fortunate to be young and therefore have a really low like hourly rate. So I was working in a law firm, so they were, it was really easy to bill me. Whereas people who were a lot more qualified ended up getting laid off left and right because of that. So basically I was not happy with my days and I got to thinking, you know, and I've loved how you framed so many discussions on startup pregnant. I, I realized now if I could put this label on it, it was sort of a design experiment or a question, which was, okay, if I don't want to have to do this with my days, like what are my options? What does it look like? And I realized that I wanted to do something probably less traditional that would take maybe a while to get off the ground. And so, you know, looking at input and output financially, I thought to myself, okay, well, if I'm making less money, like what are the things that I'm willing to give up, hopefully in the short term, but like what am I willing to sacrifice in order to have this time and space in my days? And you know, things like shopping and meals out were the first to go. And then also looking at the stuff that I had and viewing it more as, I think I was saying that it was the time when like guilt group and Rulala like were just coming into being. So I had for the first time and last time probably in my life, like a bunch of fancy clothes that I had never tried on and most of them I didn't wear. And so I was looking at what I owned now as like money that I could potentially make, like how many days, if I could sell this dress, how many days would that mean I wouldn't have to go to this job? And so it was, I thought it was going to be a big trade-off, but it would be worth it. And I ended up meeting Kyle a couple of months after I had quit my job and was kind of telling her, you know, we were just chatting. We were actually driving to a yoga retreat, which we'd both finagled our way onto for free in Ohio, And I kind of whispered under my breath because it felt like sort of scandalous. I was like, you know, so I'm doing this kind of simple living thing. And like, 
I don't know, it feels great. Like I haven't shopped in six months and I'm actually really, I'm feeling really good about that question mark. And Kyle was on a different journey. She was really coming from like a sustainable design place. And I think also, you know, our personalities are a little bit different in that I am a little bit more emotional, a little bit less naturally minimalistic, a little bit more attached to stuff, but also curious about that attachment. And she was basically at the same place as me, which was like, okay, no one in our lives is talking about this and we weren't raised this way, but it feels really good. Like all these things that were supposed to be hard and we're supposed to be the trade off turn out to be a reward unto themselves. And so why aren't more people talking about this? And like, is, I don't know, how can we share this? Like, how can we do something with this in a way that would benefit people that doesn't come off as preachy or judgy or obnoxious? And through that, you know, we ended up realizing that our skill sets with my background in psychology and hers in design could do something kind of interesting in the world where at that point, all the minimalists who I knew of and was reading about were, you know, single met white men for the most part. With like a hundred things. It was like exactly. a competition for like 97 things that fit in my backpack and they're all oh, gray. All <laughs> exactly. And like, this is all that I have. And this is like, and I was like, you know what? I like pretty things and I like nice fabrics and I, you know, like, how does this fit? And so we both agreed that there was a softness and a kindness and definitely an inclusiveness. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. Inclusivity that was lacking dramatically in the conversation. And then on top of that, all these guys were writing about their own lives, but they weren't experiencing other people's lives. Like your own story can be teased apart and made into something useful to other people. But there are so many other stories out there, like families and I don't know, just people where, I don't, there's just room for so much more in the conversation. And so what Kyle and I also wanted to do was like actually help people in the process, be in their homes, like help them do this big work of deciding what mattered to them, make it easier for them, guide them, you know, shepherd them through the process and then leave them at the end of the day or the week or our time together in a home that doesn't just have less stuff for the sake of having less stuff, but looks and feels beautiful. Yeah. And so that's how we started. I love that so much because I think, I think sometimes I went and I looked at the minimalism stuff and then, or the traditional kind of early days, a lot of it has, has, caught mainstream since you started this way back when we've seen Marie Kondo's book come out and we've seen like I read an article recently about I think they're called fire millennials what is it financially independent retire early like people who are really starting to focus on this question of well if I don't live life the way that everyone else is telling me to maybe there's actually freedom inside of this but to your first story, by the way, I've realized that like the number of architectural pens that I had would disqualify me immediately. <laughs> like I have these buckets of pens and I was like, I can't get rid of my drawing supplies. So I'm out, right? I just, and that discredited the fact that I, I keep all of my clothes in two drawers and that's right. all I own over there. And my husband has a uniform that he wears and he, you know, shifts it and buys a new one each fall and spring. So he gets a new set of clothes just because he wants to feel fresh and new, but he also keeps the number of pieces he has really small. So there's different ways of doing it. Okay. So then 
for people listening, you took this idea, this philosophy, this connection you had both to your own need to leave the corporate job and to this person that you met, you ended up building a company out of it. And and now the company's been around for a number of years. What was the early iteration of the company like? Yeah. So I think it started with Kyle and I both working other jobs. I quit my job, but I was, you know, doing the hustle of working at a bunch of other places. And we sent out an email to friends saying, you know, here's this thing we're doing. If it sounds like something you're interested in, you know, we just want to see, does this work? How long does it take? Does this work for a bunch of different people? Like, let us know if you're interested. And we had a variety of people take us up on it, which was amazing. So this was for free. Like, going into friends' apartments where someone had lived in a studio forever and their partner is moving in. And so they now have to make all of this space and they now have to make a space that was just one person's fit too, which, you know, for folks living in really expensive urban areas, you get what that's like, you know, trying to make do with exactly where you're at. And so we learned a lot, thank goodness, for those first guinea pigs. And then even our first clients just on like, what is manageable? What? How do we manage people's energy? How do we take charge of the process, but make someone still feel very much in control of all the decisions that we're making? How do we empower people and support them and kind of push them in a way that's really positive? And how do we learn what those boundaries are when we're just meeting brand new people every day? And basically one of the very first things we did, which is so important to me and we ended up realizing was so important to our clients was we connected with like over a dozen different organizations in the Bay Area. So stuff that people were getting rid of, we could donate rather than trash So like there was this preschool that we could bring like used crayons and old paper to, you know, they were just like so hungry to give their kids something. And there's a women and children's shelter where we could bring all those hotel shampoos that like consultants hoard. And just, we wanted to make sure that we weren't, that we were honoring what stuff is and what it means to people and the value that it has in theory in the world, but also acknowledging like, just because it's doesn't work for you doesn't mean it can't work for someone else. And how generous of you to let this go to someone who could really use and benefit from it. And I think it surprised me just how much of an impact that had on certainly a subset, but most of our clients, if we say, you know, I know you're considering whether or not you want to keep this, you know, fourth pair of whatever, we've got the shelter that's doing a clothing drive for, you know, formerly homeless youths and they really need boots. And people are like, oh my God, take them, take them. You know what? In fact, take these other three. I just need one. Like take all of these. And people, I don't know, we get to bear witness to this really beautiful thing of them letting go. And then a part of it was that at the end of the day, Kyle and I, you know, with this full car would make stops at four or five different places, dropping off these goods to people who were so grateful to receive them. And so we were, you know, being gentle to the environment. We were honoring the objects that have already been made and entered, you know, our our shared world. And then we were being really kind. Our clients were being really kind to these folks right there in our community that could really benefit from it. So it it is pretty magical. That's so cool. When you went into a client's home or you started to work with somebody and your focus is on helping them 
how do you talk to them about what you're doing for them? Is it feeling lighter? Is it cleaning up? Like, what is it that brings you in the door? A big thing that I learned, and again, this is where, like, I'm like, thank God for that psychology degree, right, mom and dad? But truly, like, using people's <laughs> language and reflecting back to them and hearing them. So we start by asking a lot of questions, like, tour us around, show us what's up, what doesn't feel good, where is important to you. But then more than that, like, how do you feel when you walk into your house? How do you wish you felt? What is it that you're making space for in your life? Why is now the right time to do this? What's what's happened that has made this be the time when you're really ready to commit to this process? And usually in some way, there was something that we could hold on to, which was like, I want to have a partner or I am, you know, recently divorced and I'm ready to shed a new leaf. I lost weight and I am taking great care of myself and I'm ready for my home to reflect that. I, you know, have two kids who are older and I feel like my house is a time capsule to them as babies and it's not serving us now. I get home from work after traveling and I am exhausted and I just need my home to function the way like hotel rooms function. Like I find I, I happier to be in a hotel than I am in my own house. And so there, everyone has some version of that, which is like, the complaint, usually it's, you know, some feeling of overwhelm or general unhappiness, which is why they also want our help. And then there's something positive that we try to envision really clearly, which is what it is that you're making space for literal and sort of, you know, metaphysically and emotionally. And then what feelings and activities and passions you want your space to support. And that that's what we use. And so that's, I guess, this other part about new minimalism, like when you were saying how having those architectural pens would, you know, eliminate you from a traditional version of being a minimalist. Our whole thought is like, there's no one way for this to look and there's no right amount of stuff. It totally matters for you. And ideally, none of our clients' homes will look the same or will have the same kinds of things in them because nobody's the same. So, you know, if cooking is your thing, then your kitchen can have big and complicated tools and you can have all these spices because you're moving through them and that feels really good to you. If you're like a family that has two young kids and you're coming home from a long day of work, like what you want actually is just something healthy and easy so you can have that time together at the table. You know, experimenting with a sous vide machine is not your goal. So <laughs> is right. right? And you so might not be like, spiralizing your own zucchini. Yes, exactly. You just like whatever you die, put the zucchini with some olive oil and salt. And you're like, here you go, kids, please eat vegetables. Love you. Bye. Right. Like, right. You know, and, and you like, you know, the own- familiar pop of the spaghetti sauce top opener. Cause you're not going to make it yourself. <laughs> you're like, this one's good enough. I've got it. Yeah. Exactly. Microwave <laughs> chicken nuggets. Great. This yeah. is all my, here you go, kids. But so I think that that's it. It's like, everyone has their own lives, their own, you know, needs for day to day. And then they have their own desires. Like, is it that what happens is like all you want in the 15 minutes before your kids wake up is to, you know, light a candle and have some coffee and journal. Do you wish more than anything you had space to stretch and do 10 minutes of yoga? Do you wish more than anything that you had space for your sous vide machine? So every Sunday night you could do that. Like what, what is it that matters to you? And so we would have some clients and it was really funny who would say stuff like, well, I know you, I know you want me to get rid of this, but I want to. And so, (laughs) you know, I I think I should keep it or whatever. And so what we always say is like, what we want for you is what you want for yourself. That is it. You've said 
you want your kitchen to be accessible and easy. And so what we're saying is given the space, you know, 20% of this has to go in order for it to feel the way you want it to feel. We don't care what that is. And in fact, you don't even have to do that, but we're just telling you that like structurally and design wise, this is how much the space can fit and feel the way you want it to feel. So like, that's, that's cool. And I think that that's always a way too of just giving back to this person. Like you're an adult and you're doing this because you want to do it. And it doesn't mean it's not hard and it doesn't mean it's not scary. And it doesn't mean sometimes it doesn't feel good to be like, you're the bad guys, which we'll step into also if that's helpful. But in general, it's about making very empowered, intentional, long-term decisions because lots of times clutter is just a bunch of decisions you haven't made yet. And so that's the hard part about a day when you're decluttering is you've got to make all of those decisions at once. And like, we know about decision fatigue, we know about how wearing that can be. And so we try to make the process really easy. And then also acknowledge, like, if we do this for a couple of long, challenging days, then these are all the decisions that aren't swirling around you from here on out. Like, then these are all wrapped up. Yeah, it's like a good purge, but it's also exhausting because of all the decision fatigue. I never thought of it that way clutter what did you say clutter is decisions that haven't been made yeah yeah deferred decisions for sure wow yeah that's such a good oh carrie so one of the things i love about this is one of the philosophies or like key tenets that i keep running into with startup pregnant both as a parent and as a business owner and just as like a mad crazy mother trying to make it work to for lack of a better term is is that like, I just, there is no doing it all. You have to pick, you have to decide, you have to figure out like, what is the thing that I stand for? What is the thing that I choose? And as a relationship to that, what are the things that I'm actively not choosing? And I think there's like a fear or paralysis that comes up when it's like, oh, I want all the things. Like I have to have a beautiful kitchen and make all the food and do all of this and have a clean house and have a perfect couch. And this idea, like you and I did an episode way back when about doing less and picking just one thing in your business to focus on or two things max and how hard that is. And what I'm hearing you say is that when you go into people's homes, you say, well, what do you stand for? What do you believe in? Like, is it beautiful clothing that means art to you? Is it plants? You know, is it space to move? Like, what are the things that you hang your hat on as a person that light you up, that help you in your life? And what is then necessarily everything else that, frankly, you couldn't give a shit about? Like, really, you don't care about it when you look at it deeper down. And having that kind of hierarchy or framework is so helpful. Because then you can remind them in that moment of decision fatigue. It's like, remember, you love and value clothes. We never once talked about pieces of paper. It's okay to let these go or something like that. I mean, that is, that's it. Like that is it to a T. It is like, you know, if someone were to walk into your home, would they know that this is you would, which is more important. Like when you walk into your home, does your subconscious, does your fully conscious self be like, yeah, this is me. Like these whatever it is that I value artwork or books or shoes like are right there and they're looking at me and they're supporting me. And I feel good about that. And that's it. Yeah. It's like, what do you hang your hat on? What matters to you? And a part of it is letting go what might have been, you know, so it's not even just like, here's a bunch of stuff I don't care about, but it's lots of times it's like, here's stuff I used to care about and that can feel hard to let go or, you know, and 
And then we're not even talking yet about like, if you have a parent who's passed away and you've inherited things, or you have an ex, or your weight has fluctuated in the past. And so you've got four different wardrobes for each size. You know, everyone, there are complicated and tender and vulnerable places to all of that. For some people, that'll be something like paper and for other people, it'll be totally different. But I think that's it is like hearing a person, letting them tell the story. You know, we worked with one woman who had thrown away an exquisitely important piece of paper in the mail thinking it was junk. And she had a beautiful home and all kinds of things. And she had unopened mail from the past five years hidden in every behind every closed anything you could find. Like you could pull back the bathroom curtain of the guest room and see like 17 grocery bags full of unopened mail. Wow. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, this piece of paper was really important. That's interesting, but it was far more important when it meant in the story of her life, what it meant in who she believed she was, a careless person, a spoiled person, a person, you know, whatever that story is. So we too, in letting go of things are acknowledging painful things that have happened and then rewriting kindly and gently like the internal narrative of who we view ourselves to be. Big stuff. This isn't (laughs) small. So I want to ask you, I think we could talk about this for hours. I want to like take this into the parenting direction. And specifically, the first thing that comes up for me is you mentioned this at the beginning but the stickiness of like family expectations, you know, if if you start to carve out this identity for yourself and say, oh, I really like these are the things that are important to me, but there's family or social expectations that are different, like mm-hmm. like parents that send you gifts every month or which is like a really nice thing for them to do, right? But maybe you don't want them and there's tension there or people that don't understand your point of view and think, oh, just buy that. Like you can just buy that or just get more things. Or of course you should have two cars. How do you personally, maybe, or maybe with your clients, how do you address that that source of tension or the like friction that comes up when you have friends or family members that don't understand? And like with motherhood, that you've moved into a new phase of your life or that there's no way that the stuff or the expectations they're giving you are in line with what you need right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to that. And I think the first part, the hardest part is finding a way to have this conversation because it's a conversation that has to be had. First of all, like that's what you've got to acknowledge is that there are no like little hints that tell the loving grandmother, like, please stop sending X gifts. Like it, it has to be an honest and open conversation. And The goal, and I guess I shouldn't say the goal, but for me, my goal was always to ensure that the other person didn't feel judged, but that I was able to express clearly where I was coming from. And I'm sure that like any person who's listening, who's vegetarian or vegan (laughs) knows exactly that line, which is like, this is my preference and this is how I live. And I'm not saying you have to live this way and I'm not judging what you're doing right now. I'm just asking that you respect that this is where I'm at. And I think that there's something that's, empowering about being a parent, which is like, we are tasked with 
creating this space, literally the space, this environment and the sensation for our children. Like we are the protectors of them and, and their childhoods and their spaces that they're in. And so it, it gives me a little bit of strength and a little bit more bravery when I think like, what is it that I want for her? And what am I, what conversations am I willing to have for my kid? And luckily for me, you know, these are conversations I had before I became a mom. So it's a little bit different people who know me well. And especially like, as soon as someone's like, this is my friend, she's a minimalist, you know, the jokes come immediately up of like, well, I won't give you this then, which I was going to give you. So it has become sort of an easy shorthand, but I do think that there is a way to say, Well, there's two options. One is like you have the conversation and you say, hey, like this is our goal for our space. You know, we don't have a ton of room or we have this space dedicated and like we appreciate gifts. And you know what this person really needs is like actually a backpack for school. You know, you can give suggestions, you can say what you need, or you can say, and lucky for us, like we don't need anything. And that is so fortunate. And if you decide that you'd love to share you know, if you'd like to get something for a kid, here's X, Y, or Z, how you could do that. And I think there's another option too, if it's not like a grandparent who every month gives a gift, but it's something where you get a gift on occasion, which is to allow the moment of the gift giving and receiving to be really beautiful, you know, to know that this person thought of you, thought of your child is attempting to really express some love and some care. And so you can sit there and look at the person and just genuinely thank them for thinking of you, for loving you guys, for treating you kindly, and then separately decide if that object serves you and your family. And if it doesn't, you can let that go. And it doesn't have to be that you're not honoring that person or that you're not appreciating what they've done because you've done that. You've let that exchange of energy happen and be really beautiful. And it doesn't have to involve that item. And so a part of it, like for me, I always say to people, and now it's just such a a habit and I mean it really lovingly, like, hey, here's this book. I thought of you. If it's not your thing or, or you really like it and you want to give it to someone else, like whatever, just please pass it along, you know, donate it to the library or do whatever it is you want to do. I just wanted you to know I was thinking of you. And so I think if you use that language and you let those conversations happen, some people might never pick up on it or might never really embrace it. And so you can, you know, thank them for the gift and then let the item go. And other people I think you'll notice will slowly start to embrace it. You know, it serves, I really, really believe that, you know, and again, there's God, there's so much privilege, like all, all minimalism, all discussions of minimalism need to be couched in this insane amount of privilege that we have, which is like having too much stuff and having the means with which to acquire too much stuff. But if that is how you are entering this conversation, then I think people end up feeling grateful and glad that they can also in some ways hop off the circle of too much stuff, even if it's just giving less. Because it is it is such a spiral in the consumerism-based culture. And mm-hmm. there's so much like more, more, more on the hamster wheel of corporate jobs and money and like buying things to make us feel better that detaching from that so important. And also it's not everyone's reality in the world. Yes. I love what you said about like separating the energy of receiving something from the actual using of it. Like if somebody goes out of their way to get you something that was like the best book or the best baby bouncer that saved their life. And it's so important. Like 
you can accept the energy and intention and love that comes with it, like how much they care about you and think about you. And then also find a really good place for that object if it's not the right fit for you and say, wow, we tried it. And there is a family for whom they will have as much love for this object as my friend who gave it to me or my cousin who gave it to me. Right. Right. And I do think it's not like you have to lie and be like, we're using that bouncer all the time. (laughs) You know, I I think it's also part, it's interesting when people have people in their lives who really follow up on gifts, you know, who want like the photo of the baby wearing that headband, etc. But I do think that, yeah, you start from this place and it also makes gift giving and receiving so much more pleasant. Like when you let go of the expectation of like, I hope this is the best thing ever for you or oh my God, we really don't need this. And you kind of receive and you're like, okay, thanks. Wow. Yeah. Nerf gun. Great. Like we don't want to have guns in our house or something. You just say like, oh my gosh, you thought of us. You are so kind. You did this. Like, I feel that. And I'm so grateful, you know, unrelated out goes the Nerf gun or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Something else goes. I'm thinking now about baby registries because I remember when we did our first one, I was so stressed about it because I live in New York City and we had a one bedroom apartment, tiny fourth floor walk up. Like most of our extended family and friends could not conceptualize how small our space was. And there were no closets. We don't have a garage. We don't have a backyard. We don't have a shed. We don't even have a car. So like there literally was no more space. You couldn't hide a thing in our apartment if you tried. And I've tried. Like there, <laughs> the most storage we had was like the two foot space above the fridge between the fridge and the ceiling. And like that was where the box of diapers would go, the ones that we were like saving up. So when we did our baby registry, I was really worried that a lot of people would just start sending us stuff that they thought was useful and that would, wouldn't contextually fit in. Like they'd send us a giant bouncer that would take up our entire apartment and we'd be like, well, this is great, except we, I tripped and broke my ankle. So <laughs> I hate you. Right. Or that it would be stuff that like, it would be a giant stroller, which would be an amazing gift, but we couldn't get it up and down the stairs because the hallway was only two and a half feet wide. And it was four flights up. And and so, as you can tell, I agonized a lot about it. And I ended up sending out a document, like, here's our registry, and it linked to a Google Doc. I should probably link it for for people so they can copy it if they want. But at the top of it, my sister said this was a little bit aggressive. But I said, (laughs) do not buy us anything that is not on this list. If you do, we will have to throw it away. We live in the world's smallest apartment in tiny New York City, and we don't have a car or a backyard or any closets. So we literally cannot take any more stuff. And I wanted to err on the side of being a little more intense about the boundary (laughs) than have all of this, all of these dollars and this energy and these good intentions come in a way that just caused us more stress. And didn't actually help us. Yes, yes. And I think that's the thing is like everyone knows their audience. And so if someone's, you know, in-law needs to hear like, I will throw this away if it's not on the list. (laughs) And like, sometimes you have to say that. And I do think there's also room to be like, hey, a lot of time and consideration went into this. Uh, You know, most of you cannot conceptualize just how small our apartment is. We literally, like if we want to have space for the baby and the food and the diapers, we just cannot have any more than anything on this. Like, we are so grateful you're helping us out. And like, and we need everything on this list also, like, not just like 
we please don't get us anything like we need these things and you will be doing us a huge favor and a great act of service and a great act of love if you help us out. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I didn't say that part, but yes. (laughs) No, but that's it. Just like take everyone's focus and bring it somewhere else. Like that's the whole thing with decluttering is it's really hard to pick up every single thing and be like, I don't know, should I keep it? It seems fine. But if you're like, does this serve in my vision for blank? Then you're like, no, fuck no. Like I don't need all of these Starbucks mugs from different cities. Get these out of here. I don't want that. Versus like San Francisco's a neat place. I guess I should keep this mug. And so I think when you have the conversation with other people, you can be like, we are really passionate about blank, taking our kid camping, like doing whatever, having organic clothing, trying with this. And so like, we're really into this and we'd love it if you supported us on this versus like, you know, here's all the stuff not to buy. Like here's all the stuff to buy and here's why. And we are grateful. And then also acknowledge that people are still going to send you stuff and have like a local spot where you drop off donations. Like I always, I have a bag in my daughter's room and by our back door where I put things throughout the course of weeks and months that are just ready to leave the house and be donated. And then I stick it in the car and then when I happen to be going by one of the places where I donate it, I can drop it off. So that's my my tip to folks who are listening. So I guess one of my last questions for you is, in your transition to motherhood, what's changed in terms of the amount of stuff in your life and how you approach it and anything that drives you crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I am that much more particular in the sense that my time is that much more like free time is so scarce and kids change all the time. So there is just a certain amount of like managing and navigating their stuff that you have to do. And so that has made me, it's made it that much easier for me to be way more laser focused with my own stuff. Like I don't want to be managing all of my things all the time. I don't want to be considering my clothes. I don't want to have those shoes that give me blisters because if I've got the baby in the Bjorn and I'm trying to walk out the door and those are the only shoes I can grab and they give me blisters, like what a nightmare. I don't have space for that. But then, you know, I think too with kids, so often they use things so gently, like we get so many great hand-me-downs and I have already sent off so much of my stuff to other friends. And so I think just like letting baby goods cycle through and get fully used up, it feels really, really good to me. And then also I have like rules, I don't know, rules might be a strong word, but basically I've got like a space where our kids' toys go and their bins and when they're full, they're full. And I know that. And then I have certain rules. Like I think a part of the reason why I love minimalism is that extraneous like noise and visual things really distracts me. And so like toys that light up and do all kinds of crazy things like <laughs> make me feel insane. And so I just don't have those in my house. And I get it for some people. They're like, my kid loves those and it doesn't bother me. Like, great, more power to you. They do make, they're really hard for me. And so I just try, you know, I've got a couple of rules. Like she doesn't wear clothes that have like weird, overly feminine, you know, fake versions of what a girl should be slogans on them. And she doesn't have toys that light up and make noise. And so like having a couple of rules like that are really helpful. Like it's helpful to have a shorthand and it's helpful to describe that shorthand to other people. And then it's also really helpful to let like neighbors know, like we are open and accepting donations of like cool wooden toys. So 
if you see those and you've got them, like think of us, like we don't need all this other stuff, but if you've got those, please think of us. But yeah, I mean, is there a person on this earth who's busier than like a mom or or a parent or like a working parent, like, or a working mom who's starting her own business? Like, I don't, I don't think so. And so I think it just gives you that much more, like how fierce you've got to be about protecting your time is I think how fierce I try to be about protecting my space. I love that as a philosophy. And I, I like the rules. What comes to me is, is literally containers, right? Like these are the mm-hmm. containers for this, the stuff that we have. And I'm that way with my underbed storage bins. I have four of them and they keep my <laughs> maternity clothes and then three seasons of Leo's clothes for hand-me-downs and ages. So it's like, okay, six months, 12 months, 18 months, but more than that. And I've got to donate them, pass them along. I'm actually really looking forward to after baby number two, when I can just start like free sale, just giving like, who needs clothes? Like, I desperately <laughs> hope to have another pregnancy and healthy kid and all that. And then I'm like, the next thing I'm most excited for is to get all of this out of my house. (laughs) Totally. I'm really excited about it. I'm like, I like searching out the next baby a year younger than ours. So I can just be like, you have some clothes and you have some clothes. Here's a bouncer for you just so I can pass it. (laughs) And people want it because to be honest, like I am in the stage in life where I'm receiving so much and I am so grateful for it. And people are so happy to get it out of their houses. And then, you know, I've got a couple of friends who are having kids this winter and it just works out where I'm like, you know, I hope we have another kid, but why can't they have this stuff for a year or two years until the next kid comes around? Like there's, I don't know, I can send a big box at the post office for like $12 if you ship it slowly and that's like hundreds of dollars worth of baby gear that someone can use for a year and then send back to you. If, if for me, that feels really worth it. Oh, it's so useful and so worth it. I I feel the same way because like minus the one or two shirts that get completely stained and you're like, well, yes. okay, my kid has vomited on this 12 times. It's done. We're going to go like, go ahead. Everything else always feels like it's been so lightly or gently used that, that you're, you're just like, someone else, please use this. Like, keep yes. it going. We call it the neighborhood baby stream in our neighborhood. And we just kind of float things around on the neighborhood baby stream where it's like, oh, who needs the rock and play next? All right, pass it along. Where's the next yeah. mom? Oh, back to me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I really think too, you know, since babies go through stuff so quickly, it's this other thing that we talk to clients a lot about, which is like trusting that as you let things go, things will also come in. Like, but when you get yourself involved in the baby stream and you're passing things along, people think of you, you know, and will send stuff your way. And like, I'm sending stuff to friends. I'm sending maternity clothes that I really like and thought looked good on me. And probably some of those are going to get used up and whatever's going to happen, but that doesn't matter because I am being generous and I'm putting out into the world and I believe that I will receive whatever it is that I need whenever it is that I need it. Exactly. All right, Carrie, I think we'll wrap up there. I think you and I could have like 27 conversations about this (laughs) and go deeper and deeper, but I love the philosophies that you provided of like anchoring on the thing that's important, like the things that define you or that you value as a parent and in your space to help you make decisions. And then reminding people that decluttering can be exhausting. Like there can be, it can be kind of 
Like if you're a wine drinker, have a glass of wine at the end of the day and celebrate or whatever yes. you need. Don't plan on making a big meal afterwards. Yeah. We always say like order hydrate, in, right? Hydrate, caffeinate, stop and have a good lunch. Even if you feel like you're on a roll and then just acknowledge it's big work. It's big work and be really proud of yourself and go out and eat somewhere or, you know, have something really easy. So that way you're not doing a bunch of dishes. Now's not the time to bring out that sous vide machine. (laughs) I love it. Carrie, where can people find you and find your book? Yeah. Yes. So our website is newminimalism.com and our book is New Minimalism. There's a subtitle there as well. And then we are on Amazon and a bunch of cool local indie bookstores as well. So if that's available to you, we always love supporting local bookstores, but let's be honest, we're we're moms and pregnant ladies here. So you got to do what you got to do and two-day delivery is awesome. So we're on Amazon also. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, Sarah. Hey, everyone, just a heads up and a reminder, if you want to listen to our long form Ask Me Anything sessions, they are 30, 45, and sometimes 60 minutes in length. And they we go deep into questions that people have. If you want me to look at your business, you want me to comment on your marketing plan, or you have a question about parenting, pregnancy, or anything in between, we are taking listener questions and I answer them in a monthly Ask Me Anything fireside chat. It's available only to our Patreon supporters. So if you back us at the $7 a month level, you get access to this private podcast. You can get access to all of the past episodes, which is pretty cool. So if you're missing the podcast while we're on our hiatus and you want to take a listen in to these Ask Me Anything episodes, go over to Patreon and become a monthly backer at the $7 per month level and you'll get access to all of the future episodes, as well as all of the past episodes. Keep in mind that you are also supporting the work of Startup Pregnant and our growth in these early days. And that matters a ton. Every dollar helps and counts. And we appreciate so much and are grateful for your support. Patreon.com slash Startup Pregnant will take you right there. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Did I spell that right? Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Yes. Patreon.com slash Startup Pregnant will take you there. The link will be right here in the show notes. You can go straight there. $7 a month and you get access to this entirely exclusive Patreon-only podcast. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And, you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.